We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Obviously, things did not go the Warriors' way down in Los Angeles. They got another slow start, which is just a calling card of this season for this basketball team. Then, when it looked like it was going to kind of get buried, Steph Curry caught a little fire there, had himself a fourth quarter. I guess that is a good sign as the Warriors continue a road trip that will basically take them through this week. They'll be back on Saturday, I believe, to take on the Milwaukee Bucks at home. And really, Ray, we've been breaking down this season, the remaining bits of it, into just little bits and pieces and chapters that they need to get through. And really, as I look at what the Warriors have in front of them, they've got three tough games coming up here and need to go 2-1. and one. Two and one, somehow, any way possible, and their next three games would be all right by me, and I really don't care how you do it, because either way, there's something good, there's something bad. You got games at Oklahoma City, at Memphis, and then you're coming home to the Milwaukee Bucks. These are not uh, just easy bites at the apple for the Warriors, because the first two bites are on the road, and that's always tough. Yeah, two on the road, which I think we all know what that means, and then the hottest team in basketball. Those are your choices. And um, the one thing about last night that I found interesting was that this was a game in which they didn't defend poorly. No. And I think that's probably the best takeaway for them, which is they went on the road and they just didn't get bullied. It looked like they were going to, and then they, you know, and it wasn't the offense that, that did it ultimately. It was they started to get some stops. And that's how they're going to win. It's not going to be because they're going to amaze people with their offensive prowess. That's not who they are anymore. Even with Curry, they're not going to be able to play games in the 130s and survive for very long. So, in one way, that was important for them. In another way, and Steve Kerr alluded to this stat, which I had not even considered. The Warriors at home allow teams to shoot 32% from the field, which is the best, which frankly is the best number in the league and is comparable to what the Houston Rockets would shoot. On the road, they allow teams to shoot 40%, which is by far the worst number in the league and would represent that if you were, you know, if you were the best shooting team in basketball, you couldn't get to 40. They were they allowed the, the, the uh, Lakers to go 11 for 33. So those two things allow them to go on to Oklahoma City feeling okay. Not great, because they have other issues, but 
there are going to be nights when they just don't shoot well. And that was sort of what we were looking at. They didn't shoot particularly well, and the Lakers shot better than they expected the Lakers to shoot. Let's be totally honest. There are teams to close out violently hard on on the three-point line, and then there are other teams that you're you're actually happy with them taking a three-point shot. The Lakers don't have much of a shooter's roster. So inviting them to take the three is not your worst defensive decision. The Warriors got caught with an open-door invitation, and too many of those threes were knocked down. Well, they weren't knocking down enough. The Warriors had a bad night from the floor. They were only 39% from the field in Los Angeles. But like you said, they only gave up 113 points, which is the new 105 in the NBA. It really is. There, Everything needs to be adjusted for modern times. Anytime the Warriors are holding their opponent under 115 points, they have done the job defensively, especially if that number comes from a road total. So I kind of agree with you. I I see some positives to take away from... A team that is all out of mulligans and good-feeling losses, it's, that's official too. But there were some to- positives to take away. And, and let's be totally honest here. The Warriors let Anthony Davis have a time machine game on them. And when Davis hits those time machine games, all of a sudden the Lakers become a little something different, don't they? When he's dialed in, they make sense. Yeah. Uh, he had 39-8-6 with two blocks. And then you had Jared Vanderbilt playing big ball. With 13 rebounds, when I looked, it was over. It felt like he had a big impact on the game. He did. He was plus 25, a game best plus 25. Um, The Warriors shot themselves out of a chance to win. They fell in love with a three-point shot, and uh, they died by it. They were 18 of 52. And, you know, that is a couple weeks ago I was saying, man, you take three or four of those shots and turn them into drives to the rim Maybe that's a layup. Maybe that's a free throw attempt. But it's not just yet another miss three, which is the best way to start a fast break for another team. Yeah, and the uh, the number that was most telling about why they lost the game was the Lakers, who are not a big team, but they're bigger than the Warriors. 40 points in the paint. They make the Warriors look small, man. They really do. The Lakers look big when they're playing the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, and they're not by any means a prototypically big team the way Minnesota is or the way um, Denver is. But they got to play big last night. I mean, I think, you know, Kavon Looney had one of those games where he was essentially bullied, got into foul trouble early. Uh, Draymond Green, decent game, but again, fought with foul trouble. Um, And Jonathan Kaminga was essentially invisible. Well, and he can't be that. I'm talking about defensively. So you can make the argument about, you know, he did this and he did that, but in the areas where his difference would have been most felt, it wasn't there. Jonathan Kaminga did have a bad game. He was just 2 of 10 from the field. He only got 13 minutes and to me that to me is the biggest disappointment of the entire evening, even though he was having a bad game. I think Jonathan Kaminga's earned enough leash to be left in a game that he's not excelling in. Because what are we trying to do here? Getting Jonathan Kaminga to play better minutes is more important to the Warriors than just getting Andre Iguodala to play. I really believe that. And Andre Iguodala is going to play, you would hope, some sort of reasonable role 
that will justify his existence on this team. I don't know what that is, though, yet. Are you telling me that he's going to be the guy who's going to shut down LeBron or shut down Kevin Durant or shut down Jokic? And I don't think he, you know, who, who is Jonathan Kaminga that guy? He's not the perfect build guy to be that guy, but he's more that guy than I think Andre Iguodala is at this point in his phase. Jonathan Kaminga just basically played a major role beating the Pelicans and Clippers. I could even argue that he was key in winning those games. And so for Iguodala and Steph Curry to come back into the room, and that means, hey, Kaminga, you go from very important piece that's functioning highly to 13 minutes, you're out of rhythm, and we won't give you an opportunity to catch any rhythm either. I didn't like that. I didn't like that. Let's see what it looks like going here forward. Kaminga, again, Kaminga screamed, it's not my night. Throughout a lot of the phases of that game, he was a blow-by defender. He was not pulling his weight offensively either. Well, and I also, but he needs time. Okay, but this isn't the time where you get time. Oh well, what if is? you're if you're you're in the final sixteen to eighteen games of the year? Right. Well, we we pissed so, away the first fifty. Well, no, they didn't piss it away. Kaminga got more run than any of the other young guys because he'd earned it. Last night he didn't earn it, and frankly. If that was the game he was going to give you in 13 minutes, it was going to it wasn't going to get much better. And I don't think Iguodala would have played 14 minutes if if uh, if Kaminga had not been, you know, so bad last night. And again, I'm talking about defensively. I mean, the, the, his offensive numbers are of no interest to me. What are you doing to help shore up your team's defense? And last night he wasn't. He wasn't that guy. So I get why he only played 13 minutes. It's not about working out the kinks because he's played the whole year. So when he's going to have a game like this, and let's face it, Anthony Davis embarrassed a lot of people last night. Um, I think Steve Kerr looked and says, he's not, he's overmatched tonight. And he's going to hurt us the more I play him. And on and, and feeling himself, Anthony Davis. It's a tough matchup for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. He's a tough matchup for everyone when he's really feeling himself. And he he felt himself. That was maybe his best game of the year that he played against the Warriors. Warriors got a very interesting week coming up. Two games on the road, which means short shows tomorrow and Thursday for uh, Ray and I. It's good to have you here today. Anthony Lamb has officially reached the limit of his two-way contract. We'll talk about what that means and the situation the Warriors are left in. The situation that John Morant has created for himself. We talked about it a little bit on Friday and the weekend got even worse for John Morant. So we're going to be talking about that today. The NFL machine has officially gassed itself up and started to rumble yet again. Derek Carr is trading in the silver and black for the black and gold of the New Orleans Saints. So we we got quite a bit to talk about this Monday. And coming up next, it's George Sedano, who actually did the Lakers and Warriors game on ESPN Radio just yesterday. So it's going to be fun to catch up with him. That's all happening next here. It's Damon and Ratto on a Monday afternoon. It's good to have you aboard. We are brought to you by Bob's Discount Furniture. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. 
Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast Back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Oh, we are on 95.7 The Game. We are on YouTube.com slash 95.7 The Game. See what is happening. See Lucas return a battery. He brought a mouse back to life during a commercial break. Did so with a torn ACL. Thoughts and prayers to Lucas is going under the knife this week for the torn ACL. Our producers... Inline forward backwards movement has not been effective, but side to side yeah. lateral movement has been atrocious. Our 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 zone defense on this show has been rendered terrible due to Lucas's ACL injury. It's not the ACL injury that's rendered it terrible. <laughs> let's be honest; he's been using that for cover. Uh, so we got an awful lot to get into. We've got an awful lot to get into with our friend George Sedano coming up in just a little bit. Uh, we got some breaking NFL news to share with you that is absolutely going to affect the next three years for the San Francisco 49ers because uh, the Seattle Seahawks have landed on their quarterback. His name is Geno. Geno Smith, a three-year, $105 million contract extension. Well, I guess it's not a contract extension, right? It's a new contract yeah. for Geno Smith with the Seattle Seahawks. He went from a journeyman, laughingstock, punchline of the New York Jets to the NFL's most accurate passer behind a team that seemed to be devoid of prospects and then all of a sudden came up with many prospects. Uh, very impressive season for Seattle, and Geno deserves every single bit of that. He has earned it. Yeah, he won't get every single bit of it because it's an NFL contract, but it's a hell of a lot more than he made this year and a hell of a lot more than he was projected to make two years ago. So, I mean, if you take the Derek Carr contract, which you know, was announced as four years, but in fact is not even close, um, and you shave off 30%, it's still $70 million that he probably hadn't figured on getting. Look, Derek Carr has a four-year, $150 million deal with the New Orleans Saints. It's a minimum $70 million guaranteed with two chunks 
of thirty million guaranteed. So he get his he gets his first two years for free, Ray. First two years are guaranteed. Yeah, but the fourth year is right. Well, so it's it's, it's a non guaranteed fifty million dollar contract. So right, it's it's so he's got thirty coming to him guaranteed over the next two years with a $10 million parting gift in year three if the contract is kind of a dud. And for a guy who walked away from a guaranteed 40 mil to walk into a guaranteed minimum 70 mil, that's a win for Derek Carr. Oh, no, I'm, I wasn't saying it was a bad contract for him. I was just simply using it as a baseline to try to figure out how much money Geno Smith was actually going to see out of his deal. This wasn't about Derek Carr got screwed or Derek Carr is getting overpaid or I if he's happy with the contract what do I care but what I'm saying is if Geno Smith is down for 105 it's probably 70 sure yeah absolutely we 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 all know that these contracts aren't worth any more than the guaranteed dollars in them but if Geno Smith continues to play right like he just played last season uh, in the third year of that deal, he is one of the most undervalued assets in all of sports, if that's the way it goes. When you look at quarterback salaries and the trajectory of all of that, I mean, a $40 million a year quarterback three years from now will be common. Oh, it'll be, that'll be underpaid. It'll be an insult. But, you know, this is what happens when you give Deshaun Watson $235 million and guarantee all of it. Everybody gets rich off that. Do you see the other uh, note that I saw in the last hour that the Cleveland Browns are trying hard to work the Deshaun Watson cap number to be a little bit more friendly? Yeah. You would think. <laughs> well, he said he was amenable to talking about a restructuring. Oh, is he ready to massage that? Yeah. Oh. Somehow I thought you were setting that up all day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I mean, at some point, you know, you have to look and, and say, you know what? If I'm going to get all my money anyway, and you can throw some money on an offensive lineman who will keep me from getting smashed, maybe that's worth a short-term investment. Before we bring in George Sedano to talk a little Warriors basketball, since he just had the Lakers and Warriors game on ESPN Radio yesterday, you know what's a good move for a team or a quarterback? Any single time with one pen stroke, you can become the best in the division. Now, I don't know what Derek Carr's prospects are going to be for ultimate success in New Orleans. That is Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen, to me, is definitely a work in progress as a head coach. He does have experience with Derek Carr, but their experience doesn't come with an awful lot of successful experience. That's for sure. But the Saints do have a general manager in Mickey Loomis who knows what he's doing and drafts well. They have a defense that shows up and plays over their heads every year, especially if they're playing Tampa, because that's just kind of who they are. It's what they do. It's their team identity. They've got a great home field, a phenomenal fan base, and you got to like a deal, Ray, where the minute you sign it, you're officially the best in your own division. Derek Carr, the minute he signed this deal with the New Orleans Saints, became the best quarterback in the NFC South, and it's not even close. It's not even close because the only quarterbacks other than Derek Carr are, are TBDs all around. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, TBD. Panthers, TBD. Falcons, TBD. Derek Carr is definitely better than three TBDs. And he'll probably be better once we know who those other three quarterbacks are. Right. Um, well, I mean, we sort of know that Desmond Ritter is going to start for the Falcons. Feels that way. Um, Tampa, 
who knows? People keep whispering rumors about Tom Brady coming back, even though he seems to have made it pretty clear that he's not doing that. So that's very much a TBD. And Carolina is still in the market for a quarterback. So, no, I think Derek Carr has been somewhat unfairly maligned based on what he was asked to do in Oakland and Las Vegas, which is hide a horrific defense and hide an indifferent offensive line. Because he's at skill guys. But if you can't stay upright, skill guys can't help you. And it was interesting that uh, the, the Raiders today, you know, franchised Josh Jacobs. I mean, because that's sort of a tardy acknowledgement of how important he is to them. Because last year at this time, I don't know that you could have, you know, made a, a sensible bet on him staying on the roster. Look, I, I think they were down on him for whatever reason. Ross Tucker summed it up very well. This is probably the very first time in NFL history where a guy has gone from seven carries in a Hall of Fame game to a franchise tag. <laughs> Yeah, That I mean, normally does not happen. So uh, we have the NFL, like I said, sort of churning back up its machine today, turning the key, the engine cranked, and what do you know? we got some actual news to talk about, but uh, we have ourselves a very interesting basketball team to talk about. And the man who just saw them last night in front of his own two eyes, George Sedano from ESPN, ESPN LA. He is Mr. Los Angeles, as far as we're concerned, and he had the game last night. George, thank you for joining us here on Damon and Ratto. As always, it is a pleasure to talk to you, my man. How you doing? I'm good, fellas. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Ray is above average, and boy, <laughs> guess what? Uh, Anthony Davis was well above our average against the Golden State Warriors. When he is right, he shows you the promise, man. He shows it to you when he's right. Now, can he be the right Anthony Davis for more than three games in a row before he twists, sprains, does something? Who the hell knows? But, man, when he is on, that's one of the toughest mismatches in sports. Yeah, he's incredible. He's a human cheat code when he is right, to your point, because we don't have a big man that has that kind of athleticism with the skill that he has. I mean, he has refined skills. His fadeaway jumper is almost un unguardable in some cases when it's on. Uh, he certainly has pretty good handle for a big fella, too. And I, I think that, you know, because even Giannis, you can say, obviously, Giannis has got a similar build. But Giannis has come a long way in regards to his natural skill or adding to his skill uh, because it didn't come naturally. Whereas Anthony's is very natural. <laughs> You know, the story with Anthony that most people know, but maybe some listening don't, like he was a point guard as a kid and then shot up like something like eight or nine inches right, you know, his last year of high school or whatever before he ended up at Kentucky. And it took him a while to get used to his body. Yeah, he and went from like 6'2 to 7'2. That skill feet. has never really left him or that skill set. Is there, because um, Davis has been maybe one of the prime enigmas in this league for much of his career. Is he finally showing signs of outgrowing that? Or is he always going to be day-to-day, -day, at least in terms of that part of his career? You know, Ray, I think that the biggest predictor of future injury is past injury. I'm a big believer in that. And I think that that's the unfortunate thing with him, is that the body's gone through a lot. Now, some of it early in his career, I believe... 
was soft tissue stuff, not anything structural. But then remember a couple of years, he, a couple of years ago, he had an Achilles thing, and that's dangerous, right? Now he's got this foot situation when big men tend to have foot issues. I think that obviously is an ominous sign. Now, hopefully for the Lakers' sake, not ominous enough where it ends his career prematurely, but it's certainly something they're going to have to manage kind of moving forward. And I think we're in this day and age of where we have so much information on these guys medically. Uh, we know so much about the evolutions of sports medicine that I think these were the type of things that would not have been diagnosed 10 or 15 years ago. And guys would have played through it and they would have ended their careers prematurely. And I use Chris Paul as kind of the perfect example for this, where Chris Paul in the 80s, 90s, or even early 2000s would have played, what, maybe eight years probably, you know, before the injuries mounted up. But because of load management, and I'm not the biggest advocate of load management, but I understand it from this regard and just the advances in science and medicine and things of that nature, he's now been around for 17. So it's just a weird give and take, and I... I I don't know if there's ever going to be the right formula for this in the NBA, but you're right. Anthony Davis is certainly an enigma when it comes to that stuff. And I think that, you know, if he can be peak Anthony Davis, then I think they're always going to be dangerous in some way, shape, or form. They get D'Angelo Russell back. They get LeBron back. And all of a sudden, it feels like L.A.'s got a little momentum that could carry them towards a more what they hope to be representative you know, team to look at the playoffs. If the Warriors are going to be a real representative team in the playoffs, obviously they need to get Andrew Wiggins back, and that still hasn't happened. But Steph Curry returns after missing about a month, George, and he had a fourth quarter that I think made everyone at, uh, don't call it Staples, we're, we're going with crypto for real, uh, it made everybody in the Los Angeles hold their breath for a little bit. I thought the, the Warriors were going to come roaring back there for a second. And I bet you he thought he was going to be able to pull it off, too. And then they got stymied. The Lakers just had an answer every time, basically, whenever the Warriors made their run. In the first half, the Warriors, or granted, the Lakers, I think, had a 25-8 to run uh, in the first quarter. Then the Warriors fought back with a 28-8 to run in the second quarter. And it was just that. It was just kind of a slugfest back and forth between those two. You know, when I called that game... Yesterday, there was a shot that Steph made in that second quarter. You know, he struggled mightily in the first. And he hit a big shot. Lakers called timeout. It got them within one at 41-40. And I told my partner at the time, I said, Steph Curry has arrived here at the game now with eight points uh, after that big shot. And it felt like he was, you can just get the sense that he was a little out of sorts. Right? Maybe a little rusty, for lack of a better phrase, to start that game. And I felt the same way in the third quarter, too, that he just he wasn't himself. And then he finally got that engine revving, and you saw it. But it was just too little too late because Davis and those guys were just not missing in those key moments. How seriously do you take the Lakers um, if they get to the playoffs? Um, can this... Can this be one of those turn it on at just the right moment situations? Or, as a lot of people seem to think, they've wasted too much time not being anything particularly noteworthy? Well, I'd probably lean towards the latter only because you can't guarantee me health for LeBron James. When you're talking about a guy who already was dealing with a left foot injury and then blew a tire on his right foot, 
at 38 years old because he had to carry a roster that was less than suboptimal, let's call it, for a long stretch of time. This was kind of the thing that, I don't know if I talked to you guys about this, but that was one of my big concerns I talked about on my radio show and on, at different places, that him carrying this load and this burden at this age was eventually going to come back and haunt them. And, you know, I wasn't trying to be, you know, Miss Cleo or anything, but <laughs> it seems obvious, right, that a 38-year-old guy can't carry that kind of load night in and night out uh, in this league, you know, a league of young people. And here we are. So if he's healthy, if just, like, for argument's sake, you tell me he's back, he's good, he can be LeBron James, then, yeah, if they get in, they can be dangerous. But, man, that path is going to be hard because... Let's say they get in. Let's say they're the play-in. I don't. I mean, I know it's all jumbled up and can be close, but if I don't know if they're going to be five, six, seven games over five hundred in these last twenty-three games when they made the the deals. So because they haven't done that all season, so I'm just going to say maybe they're a couple games above five hundred. That probably puts them at like the eight or nine, right? And if they're in that nine, then all of a sudden you're playing an extra game. And there's just so many more layers to it at that point. And then who are you getting? Because if you're getting Denver, they're not beating Denver, in my opinion. Now, people may think I'm nuts, but this Denver team is way better than people think they are. Uh, They defend at a very high level. They've been the fourth-best defense since December 18th. And Jokic, as we all know, and you guys saw it up close last season, uh, is really damn good, and he's only gotten better. So... I look at them, and they kind of remind me a little of Dirk's Mavericks when they won in 2011. We have this one mega superstar, and you have a couple of all-star caliber type players and then really good role players. And those teams don't always win. You know, Dallas, the Pistons, right, have a few of those. The Pistons didn't even have that superstar, though. Um, I mean, Chauncey became a great player, but I don't know if you had put him in the Dirk or Jokic category by any means. But, yeah, like I, I just think that if they get Denver, they're, they're out of gas. Now, if they get to the seven and you know they play Memphis, potentially if they get out of the play-in and they remain in the seven, maybe I like their chances. Maybe. But I, I don't think they can beat Denver, Ray. That's just my opinion. George Sedano, ESPN Family and Networks. And, I mean, he's all over TV, radio, ESPN, L.A. It's great to have him on here. 95-7 the game. George, obviously, John Morant was in the wind for all the wrong reasons on Friday, and it didn't get better over the weekend with the Instagram, and he's got Chrome, you know, (laughs) in the IG Live, and he's talking about come get these hollow points. It feels like uh, he's at a fork in the road, and he can either get back on the paved road of being a professional, highly paid athlete, or crane off of it into something that doesn't end up the professional, highly paid face of the NBA. It looked like the trajectory he was on not even a month ago. Yeah, honestly, this is, I know it's been coming for a while because we've had stories come out in dribs and drabs, but prior to those stories in the last couple weeks, if you would have told me that this was the situation, I would have been like, man, I I don't know. I I wouldn't have guessed it, right? Right. Uh, Now, the more I talk to, look, I'm not on social media all the time anymore. Like, I've got a wife and two kids. Like, I don't spend my time on Twitter and Instagram all the time monitoring what players are saying and he's happier for it folks (laughs) (laughs) but i talked to a couple of my um former nba player colleagues who are more active and they see the stuff that uh, the grizzlies have posted 
And I know Tracy McGrady uh, had mentioned this on All the Smoke with Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson uh, maybe two months ago or whatever it was, three months ago, that he was worried that they needed a vet on that team. And when you look at that team, they had Danny Green, but he never played. And I do think that stuff matters in sports. And, you know, the guys I've always talked to, like I spent a lot of time, obviously, in my career at Miami. And I covered Dwayne Wade's entire career. And I remember Dwayne and I having this conversation about his vets. And everyone always assumes it's Shaq. And yeah, Shaq played a role in that. Obviously, he came when Dwayne was in his second year. But he said, I learned to be a professional from Eddie Jones and Brian Grant because those were the guys in my locker room when I was a rookie. And I think that every team just needs those guys that just are willing to take that on. And whether Danny was willing to take it on or not, I don't know because I don't know those dynamics. But him not playing definitely doesn't help in those scenarios because he was hurt. So I, I was pretty surprised. I met the father, T. Um, Moran seems like a good dude. Um, they seem like a close family, too. So, again, all of this seems somewhat surprising. I, I am glad, though, that he didn't hide from it. Now it's hard, to your point, you know, when it's him uh, in this situation on IG. But he took the responsibility quickly. And honestly, I hope he takes more time than the two games to kind of figure out how to get back on that right path, as you mentioned, because he's one of the most electrifying players we've seen in a really long time. And charismatically as well, not just on the floor. So again, it just felt a little out of character with me. And I know, you know, people act silly when they're young. I sure as hell know that I'm glad Instagram and Twitter wasn't around when I was 23 years old. But at some point, you have to understand the responsibility of what it is to be a superstar in any line of work, right? Sports, the entertainment industry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that I'm hopeful, I guess I should say, that he does understand that and he takes that time and realizes what he needs to do to rectify that situation. George, always great to talk to you, brother. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll do it again real soon. We got a lot of uh, got a lot of got a lot of Warriors playoff conversations coming. We're going to need to tap back into you again soon, my man. Thank you so much. You got it. I actually have you guys again next week, uh, Wednesday. I'm doing the Clipper game on ESPN Radio, so we could chat maybe after that if you'd like. Uh, uh, I think you just booked yourself. George Sedano here on 95.7 right, <laughs> The Game. Uh, always a friend of the show. Great to talk to him. Thank you very much, George. So, look, we were talking about John Morant, Ray, and, you know, look, there's no timetable right now for his return. And he might not play again this year. I know you haven't really probably heard that from anywhere else or anyone else, but let me tell you why. Because right now, the NBA is having a very serious investigation into the fact that this all happened with Ja on the road right now. The Memphis Grizzlies are on a road trip through Denver, through Houston, through Los Angeles. And that's when these Instagram live videos are popping up where he is, again, he's got a gun in his hand. He's got a gun in his waistband. He is threatening rando commenters with hollow points like he is. He is talking like, you know, 
all the smoke is more than a podcast to him. He like he's talking like someone who wants to find a problem because the problem's not coming to find him quick enough. And it's just it's ridiculous. The NBA finds out that he had those guns on him in his gym bag on the team plane in the in the arena in Denver, in Houston, in Los Angeles. He might be gone for the entire year. Gilbert Arenas got 50 games. 50 games for bringing iron into the locker room. And that's what I think the NBA is looking at right here. This isn't just a go check yourself, jaw. This is a you go check yourself, jaw. You do a little personal evaluation while we try to retrace where this gun was when you were on the basketball court. Because if this gun was sitting in that locker room, you got a major freaking problem on your hands. The only hesitation I have on that is the reminder that nothing in any sport is based on precedent. It's based on exigent circumstances of the right now. Under normal circumstances, yeah, if he's bringing a, if he's bringing a gun into the locker room, I think the, N- the NBA would, would probably try to make that case. Um, the fact that he didn't brandish it in the locker room the way Gilbert Arenas did might make that a more difficult case to make. But I just know this. Every circumstance is different because leagues want them to be different so that they can tailor the punishment to meet all their all their criteria. So I'm sort of holding my powder on that till I see A, what we are dealing with, and B, how much the league wants to actually tackle this. You know, how how thorough is the investigation going to be? How aggressive are they going to be? I think that's, those are all open questions that frankly, you know, I don't think we can expect much transparency from the league on this unless they want to make a point. More and if they don't want to make the point, you'll get, you know, a long delayed investigation. You'll get vague sort of findings. And this may not end up that way because the one thing that I do know about those investigations is they're going to take as long as the league wants them to take. We'll have a little bit more on this, a little bit more on the day's news, and a lot more on the Warriors who lost against the Lakers, have two more road games coming up, and that ain't been easy all season long for the Golden State Warriors. The good news is... Mr. Curry has returned. Damon and Rattle will be returning in just a moment here. We're brought to you by Fremont Bank. Full service banking, no compromises. Now back to Damon and Rattle on 95.7 The Game. Well, if you'd like a chance to win two tickets to see the Warriors and Spurs on March 31st, all you got to do is download the Odyssey app or listen to 957thegame.com. And the longer you listen, the more chances you have to win. You basically get an entry for every hour that you clock on the app. I'll tell you what you should do. You should just put on the app and then just leave it up and walk away from it. And you can do that eight times a day. Eight, eight hours is all you got to do is listen. You don't even need to listen. You can fugazi the whole thing. I won't tell on you. Ray won't rat you out. And that's eight chances for you to go ahead and enter to win each and every day. 
to go see the Warriors and Spurs on March 31st. So download the Odyssey app. What are you waiting for? All you got to do is listen. That's it, Ray. Effortless. Effortless. Just sit there, listen, be subjected to this lunacy, or don't be. Again, you can turn the volume all the way down. We don't care. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the price of listening, I think we all know, is high. So but take, at least care, take care of yourself. could come with something this time. Like, there could be something in it for you other than incredible amount of sports knowledge and witty banter between two best friends. So we're talking about the morning show. <laughs> uh, we have this situation with John Morant Road and uh, Ray and and what's what's the old saying when you reach the fork in the road, take it. Feels like this is a fork in the road for the young man. And you know, there's been a lot of blame to go around. Well, what about his dad? His dad is always there. His dad's looking like Usher trying to sit on the court and you know, he's getting in a static with Shannon Sharp and all this stuff. Look, I'm not about to pull the, the you know, stop being a friend, be more of a father cuz I don't know. I've never seen the two of them in person or in private, or how they act. I don't know. I know that John Morant's old enough. When you're a 23-year-old man who's on the verge of making a $250 million contract and becoming one of the faces of an entire sport, it's on you, chump. I mean, that's seriously. Like, it's time for you to grow up. And it's not about your friends, and it's not about the group that you're running with. And if it is, you got to start saying goodbye to people who are holding you back and dragging you down. It's like John Morant decided he wanted to go ahead and tick off every single check mark that the most racist, southerner, black NBA player stereotype could possibly imagine. And I don't know why he's doing it. I don't know what the there is for him. I like what what is worth more to you now? This cool image you're trying to create that doesn't align with reality? Or an actual chance to make a quarter billion dollars? Like the quarter billion dollar path is a lot cooler than the I might be tough guy path. At least it is in my mind. I don't know, I don't know how you check the boxes. Well, I'm, I'm loath to imagine why you would make the choices he's making, whether there's money as the alternative or not because it's a dangerous place to be never mind future earnings it's just don't pack heat you know don't hang with people who encourage you to pack heat you know don't get into situations where you're beating up kids because they annoyed you in a pickup game I mean never mind the money the the need for adjustment however it comes is already there because even if there isn't money the alternative is you know maybe you end up on the wrong end of one so you know however however his motivation is running i don't think he's making logical choices i think it's a choice that frankly has been floating around in his head and seems like a better option than anything else let alone the money and i think You'd be you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who can make the justification that, yeah, that's the way you want to go. It just it 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 is devoid of any. Forget about like the concept of critical thinking. How about thinking about it for just five seconds? If you thought about it for five seconds, it's a bad idea. The sequence of events that this man has completely unleashed by himself, his own choices on his own. 
And then to get back to the whole concept of, well, be a good teammate. He's not exactly being that right now either. You know, you're suspended. And suspended two games is one way to look at it. No timetable for return is a total other way to look at it, as we just said before we went to commercial break. Precedent or not, Gilbert Arenas got 50 games when his name became associated with handguns. Right now, John Morant's name is becoming associated with handguns. And if at any point in time the NBA learns that those handguns were on a team plane or in a team locker room, and there is nothing but planes and locker rooms right now in Jaws reality because they're on a road trip. So if the NBA really wants to get to the bottom of this, it might be a while before we see this guy play. And just from a selfish basketball standpoint... Uh, I, I want to watch him play. I love watching him play. He's an incredible entertainer with a basketball in his hand. Um, I, I I want this to work out. I want him to realize that this whole concept of wanting to look like you have a burgeoning career in the drug trade is not nearly as cool as becoming a face of a global sport. And you're on that path, too. So, again, you can either go back to the worst, most applied by racist stereotypes of a young black man that you could create. Or you could go on to become a global icon who uh, is adored by hundreds of millions of people who really love the way you play basketball. Like, that's a path you should probably take. It's the one I would suggest anyways. And this whole, like, he needs a vet in his locker room. Yeah, sure. What he needs to make is better choices. You know, you got a dad sitting courtside every day, every minute of your life. I, you know, why, why is your dad there all the time if not to give advice at some point in time? Son, put the put put this down. Somebody says John Morant's crew is less intimidating than Ray Ratto's posse. You might be right. Ray's posse is made up of half drunk, mostly out of work journalists who might throw a typewriter at you. Those things are heavy. John Morant, he and his friends have a laser pointer. Which is, you know, the equivalent of a cat toy. Or maybe it's attached to a gun and they really have hollow points. And if people believe that, you might be met with that. That's how conversations open up on the streets. They don't, oh, do you have your gun tonight? I was told you're strapped at all times. You want to get tough? Let's get tough. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Having a veteran on that team, though, or really any team, is always of use. I'll trade John Andre Iguodala right now. Well... I, I mean, the the name that comes immediately to my mind is David West, because he served a number of functions when he was here, and in fact was always sort of that wiser head. And I think there are times when hearing it from a peer who's been through, you know, the the NBA wars the way David West was, that'll resonate in a way that. Other conversations don't seem to. And maybe it won't. I, I don't know. But it do, it would enhance your chances. And frankly, when you're talking about margins like this, anything that enhances your chances of avoiding a horrible end is well worth taking. So maybe it is that Memphis needs to figure out a way to have some sort of gravitational pull on that roster because... It's not Taylor Jenkins that's getting that done. It's not Steven Adams. I mean, and again, 
Maybe John Morant is in a whole different place where listening to advice is not part of his deal, but he's reaching he's reaching a place where decisions have to be made. Well, here's the deal: if listening to advice if listening to advice is just something you don't do, then giving you two hundred and fifty million dollars to be the face of this franchise is going to have to be something I don't do. Oh no, I I there's no question that this is. I'm not going to say cry for help because that's too trite, but this is a cry for action. And either he's going to take it or somebody's going to take it for him in any number of different ways. It feels like this is something that Memphis needed to be a lot more all over before it got this far out in the public domain. And if anyone wants to sort of say what uh, I, I know that it's been kind of aggregated and passed around Stephen A. Smith during the halftime or was it pregame of the Lakers-Warriors game, was talking about the John Morant situation. And he basically said, look, the NBA is full of former cops who are team security, who are former FBI, who are former CIA, who investigate, who know police in every single NBA city, who absolutely are keeping a dossier in the whereabouts, not only on a player, but on players' associates. If there is an element of truth to that, which I completely believe there is, Memphis has got to get in front of something like this before John Moran is on Instagram saying, come get these hollow points, which if you think about it is ridiculous. John Morant has lived a lifestyle since coming into the NBA flush with cash that he's been enjoying. He lives the kind of a lifestyle that is more parallel with a rich old lady sitting in a rotting Pacific Heights mansion than it is a kid sitting in Hunter's Point. Okay, John Morant is more like a woman who has inherited her wealth through generations at this point in his life than he is like a kid coming from the hood in the hard scrabble streets of whatever. He has been well cared for, well insulated, well protected, and every single amenity or luxury that you could even imagine has been at his fingertips for years now. And maybe that's what's messing with his head. Maybe he's thinking, oh, no, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't move. Or would Van Lathan have a very funny video where he's like, come over to the corny side. It's great over here. You get to leave your house every morning, walk your dog, wave your neighbors. There's no Rico case against you. No one's tracking your friends over on the corny side. It was great. By the way, no one's tracking your friends in the four o'clock hour. Welcome, everyone.